Okay, without opening notes or getting your notes open, just sort of look up somewhere. Um, what has been the first thing that we looked at back when we started before lockdown? The promise. promise. And who can tell me what one of the most amazing promises that God has given us is written? Set apart and chosen before the foundations of the earth to be some. Yeah? So there's a fulfillment that we need to come into because we've been predestined to become not just say I'm a son, but actually become, be and live as a son who knows who they are, which is a kingdom ambassador from another realm living on earth no longer living from the temple but living from the eternal and knowing all things from the realm you're from so it's literally like this imagine us all walking through the wall because this is the temple and we all walk through the wall into the eternal then we come back through the wall and start sharing with temple people everything about the eternal that we know that's what we are supposed to be doing if you can't do that at the moment that's okay, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. So the challenge then becomes to enter into the fullness of what's written here, but have it here. It's no good at remaining in a book. It needs to be upon our hearts and our minds so we're able to live out who we've actually been predestined to be, yeah? So there's a massive calling for the body of Christ. Like it's not little, it is a high calling and it requires all of you. And this is why this is so significant, the promise. Let me share with you who I have dreamed you to be and become and how I see you living and I've made the way possible. So the second week or probably the third week, we looked at the what? Problem. And what was the problem, Deb? We ate from the wrong tree. That's right. <laughs> and that caused us to fall out of every promise. So now we've stumbled, fallen out of and have no idea who we actually are like zero, we don't even know God so we've left one reality fallen this massive dividing wall has presented itself and we've become our own God so we now think we're an independent being that is complete in self and we have no zero reference for where we came from and that's why we run this way so when God comes through the wall chasing us, we run away because we have no reference for him. What our reference now for him is the opposite of what it was. And so we're trying to establish ourselves as an independent being, but we've actually been created to be back in him. So put yourself like this. You're a hand that's got disconnected from the body but you are living your own life as a hand without any understanding that the source of your life is God, not you. And that's why he has to give you a brand new source because you've become the source of you. But that can't happen through just saying, yes, Lord. That has to happen through this thing called crucifixion, which is God's power restoring you from here back through the wall to here. Pretty profound, really. Supernatural, eternal, nothing to do with earth. So this is why God has to smash all the forms of godliness that have been established in our hearts and minds through learning the ways of man and the patterns of man that don't produce the eternal life of God. And that's why you have to come bear nakedness I forgot to get my mask out the car but it's a funny thing mate we're all wearing these masks trying to protect ourselves from something aren't we 
And that's what we do. We mask over the heart, trying to protect ourselves from the God who loves us because we've become our own God, not realizing we were connected and we've lost our source and we've lost our life and we've lost our strength, but we don't know that. And so all these promises can remain outside of what's written on your heart and your mind because although you mentally agree with them, it's not your reality. So he has to do this massive reshaping. So he has to fix the problem, which he has done in his son, correct? So the life that we need is all in the one who fixed the problem, yeah? Which is why he needs to perfect us back into the original design through his power. So that's why power is the key to all this. Not mental understanding, not mental agreement, not gifts. Power and power alone. Paul said, man, I pray that your faith is not resting on man's wisdom, which means I pray that your Faith is not resting on your ability to understand words through the mind. He says, but I pray your faith rests on the power of God because only the power of God can bring you back into the place that you actually fell from. And so the last thing we're going to look at over the two weeks is this thing called prayer, which is probably the least most done thing in Christianity and that is sad because it's the power of the engine room to get you back to where you came from and yet it's the least most thing and I want to read this because there's this guy called Peter and he professed that he could go and die and he wouldn't deny Jesus you heard about him he was full of something full of the spirit of pride which manifested out of him numbers of times while Jesus walked with him and Jesus addressed it with him but he never learned because it kept manifesting out of him all the time and then he gets into the garden and it keeps manifesting out of him because that's all he knows how to do because he's full of his own self-importance because he hasn't yet come into this reality and he needs to and I love this because Jesus invites Peter, James, and John into something. So just read this. this is in Matthew 26, 36. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Do you know what the word Gethsemane means? Yeah, it's, it's oil press. It's, he's about to get pressed. Now in that garden, there are olives, correct? And olive, when pressed, release oil, which is symbolic of the Spirit. So he's about to get pressed for you and I. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He says that if there's any other way, can you take this from me? But he needed to go, didn't he? But not for himself, for you and I. And there's nothing about you and I that wants to go to the cross. There's nothing about your old nature that wants to get crucified, but it needs to. See the typology between Jesus not wanting to go but needing to go and you and I not wanting to go anywhere near this thing that's actually going to bring us life but we think it's going to kill us but it actually brings us into life. And so this is what's going to happen to Peter and the boys which is fascinating. He said he took with him, sorry, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. This I find fascinating. Remain here and keep watch with me. You've just been invited into the Messiah's most intimate moment where he's about to face his death. He's inviting you to keep watch with me. <laughs> Let's see what happens. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So he didn't want it, but he needed to go and do it and go through it. And it was already written, it was already foretold, and Jesus knew that. So Jesus was living out prophecy. And we're to be living out prophecy too. 
because we're to be a prophetic race that know the prophetic timeline that is unfolding itself right now on earth and we're to be ahead of the game. I'm not sure if we are, but we should be. And he came to the disciples and found them. Now this is the guy that said he was going to go to his death and he can't keep watch. But he professes he can go to his death, but he can't keep watch. And they're sleeping. He said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. <laughs> not that much to ask, is it? In your day of death, that your people, your top three, you know, your, your inner club leaders <laughs> could maybe keep watch with you while you're going through excruciating agony because you know what's before you, but they can't seem to keep watch or pray for one hour. But I'll go to my death, and I won't deny you. I think you're full of something, Peter. I think there's a massive problem that hasn't yet been sorted out called pride, but it's affected by all of humanity, so you're not any different to Peter. We profess stuff... Now, the Bible says that we draw near with our words and we remove our hearts. It's called hypocrisy. We say one thing and live another, and this is what Peter and the boys are doing here. So grateful that love covers, eh? Love covers our BS, our forms of godliness. So he came and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again and second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Maybe they had a heavy night, late night, I don't know. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time. So Jesus is praying, but his disciples can't. Saying the same thing once more. Then he came a, a third time are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. They fail in what he's asked to do. One hour prayer. What's your prayer life like? Do you have one? Is it a five-minute, quick minute out the door, Lord, bless the day, and it's all about you? Could you spend an hour in prayer or would you be bored? We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer of reformation. It's not just, bless me, Lord. It's actually his prayer. And it's a reforming prayer to bring you back to the promise because all this is linked. All this is interlinked. You can't separate these four things. They're one thing, even though you can look at them four, but they all fit back together. And if prayer is the engine room of Christianity, and we're not a people of prayer, then are we really Christian? And we are living in days where our forms of godliness are not going to cut anything you will be found out for your forms of godliness. Bible says that you can always be learning but never coming into the knowledge of truth. What does that mean? That means you're acquiring information like at the well, but that information is not being changed to revelation and so you're not in the knowledge of truth, which means you can't pray. Because he says here, although your spirit is willing... Your flesh holds you. I'm going to come to the prayer meeting on a Wednesday morning. It's a Tuesday night at Discipleship Group. But then the alarm goes off and it's 5.30 and my flesh is very, 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 very strong. So I lean over and I hit the button, press snooze, turn it off. And I had all the intention to get here but never arrived. I have all these great intentions to do things I just never do. 
And I'm telling you, if love's not covering us, we are severely in trouble. But it is. And because it is, you abuse it. Because you actually don't know it. And so God has to start breaking like he had to start breaking Peter because Peter then goes into the garden with Jesus after this, doesn't he? Just before the arrest. And now what does Peter have all the power to do? The thing he was not asked to do. So he's got all the flesh and the power to be the hero in the story and start whipping out the sword. By the way, who gave him the sword? Jesus gave him the sword because it was a divine setup. So he pulls out the sword and he's... But five minutes ago he was sleeping when he was asked to do the spiritual thing. But when he's asked to do, not asked to do the flesh thing, he's found doing the flesh thing. That's a real issue when you call yourself a disciple doing the wrong thing. It's not exactly representing the Father well, is it? And we've got to get past our romantic notions of being a follower and what it all means. We've got to go beyond this romance of what it is and actually get in Him, especially today in the earth times we live in because things are shaking, are they not? Things are being put in place, are they not? And so the church in these days are to be what? The light, the hope in the darkness. And you've got to ask yourself some serious questions, guys. You have to really ask yourself some serious questions about your relationship with him, what it looks like, and am I in this prayer of reformation that's taking me, my heart cry is take me back to Eden. Take me back to complete me that I can enter back to where I was so I can actually represent you well and not be found out like these guys were here. And I'm so thankful that he promised Peter a reality, didn't he? I'm so thankful for me too that he'd never left Peter. He walked with him and he said, I will get you to where I want to get you. But before that, we've got to go through something that's called the cross. And the only way you're going to get into this life is if you go through it, not around it. And that's the problem with the institutional church is that we try to get around the very thing that's going to bring us life so we're not in life because we avoid it because we think it's death but it's life because our minds are still back to front from the reality and so we're void of the reality and so we're found either full on in our flesh and when we're asked to do the spiritual thing we're found out that's not going to represent him well that's not bringing glory to his name in fact, that's misrepresenting him in the world, isn't it? So we've got this beautiful invitation, and in your booklets there on page 11, there's a little blank that says, the prayer of reformation. What does that mean? So that's a question. What does that mean, reformation? Reforming, yeah. It's taking us back to an original place. The great reformation. And so we are to be as we were. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. It says disciples want to be fully trained like their teacher, fully equipped to be able to do what the teacher did, correct? Bible also says that we are to be ambassadors from the kingdom of heaven, does it not? And that we've been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, does it not? And that we're called to be stewards of the kingdom mysteries, does it not? Right, so how's your learning? How's your prayer life in connection to that going, Lord, I'm reading a reality that appears out of my mind. And it's, it is because it's like, what? An ambassador from another planet living on earth, ministering that planet to earth. 
Yeah, that's right. So then the prayer life, Lord, you need to show me this. You need to open up this realm because I've got no idea what that even is. Like I barely know you, never mind who I'm supposed to be. So the awareness of this stuff would take you to a place where Mary was found with him. And there's a desperation and a hunger and a thirst that's required right now in the body like there's never been before. But I don't know how you get it because I can't give it to you. If you don't have it, you've got to find it and you've got to ask for it because it's the only thing that's going to propel you out of earth and into an eternal reality so then you can be a minister from the eternal while you're here on earth. And there's a prayer called the Lord's Prayer, which is just way more than just a nice little song that we wrote about a few years ago called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Loved it. Cool song. But is it my reality? So let's have a look at it. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. What does the word hallowed mean? Say it again, Heather. Holy, greatly revered. So instantly you're brought into a space going, my goodness, I'm in the presence of holiness. Doesn't it say come boldly before the throne? So I'm entering into a place that's holy, pure, right, powerful, and I can go there, yeah. He's my father, yes. He's predestined me, yes. He wants to form me into his image, yes. He wants to make me complete, yes. So hallowed be your name. Isn't it in the name that all the power is? See, this can just be words recited by rote. Or this can be a transformational declaration and a connection with you and him. And all of a sudden, something starts to happen on the inside of you. Your kingdom come. Do you have any idea what that is and what you're saying when you pray it? It rattles off the tongue really well. Do you actually know what you're praying That's a question. Who can tell me what you're praying when you say that? Good. You're asking for the king of the kingdom to come with his kingdom and establish it in your heart and your mind. Now, there's a problem, remember? There's a king already there. There's a Lord with a little L. Easy to pray, and he might turn up and say, okay, I heard the prayer, here I am. Now you need to get off the throne that's my throne. And you just need to move over a little bit. We were at our group last night talking about when you pray certain things, and then it turns up, and then you reject it because it never comes the way you thought it was going to come. So we pray all these massive bold prayers in the moment when the atmosphere's awesome and the music's on and somewhere we're like, yeah, man, this is cool and we're full of this romantic notion. And then God hears and goes, okay, be careful what you pray for. I heard it, I knew it was fleshly, but I'm coming anyway because I want to do a work. And then he turns up and you're like, I didn't pray that. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. And all of a sudden, we're putting the car back in reverse and we're trying to get out of here as quick as we came. Because thy kingdom come means, Jesus, come and be Lord. Not Saviour, Lord. Which means you can't be the Lord of your own life. Which means you've got to allow him to, through his power, take off your masks, take off your pride, take off all the things that you've covered over, remember, because we're covered over, but you may not realize that, and then say, be the Lord of my life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Because I'm not, but you like the sound of it. 
You like to believe you are, and I am, but I'm not, because you don't do anything I ask. But I love you. So you need to be aware of what you're praying when you say, your kingdom come. Now, when did the kingdom come? When Jesus came. So the kingdom has been available to the church for 2,000 years. How long have you been a follower of Jesus? Are you outside of something that should be in you? Are you unaware of something that should be growing in you that you have no reference for because you're still Lord? So you're covered and you're saved, but he is not your Lord. You are. Do you realise that's a possibility? This is why we talk a lot about Saviour. Saviour. Is he your saviour? Yes, he is your saviour. But which comes first scripturally, Lord or saviour? Lord and saviour. So you get him as Lord, he automatically saves you. You get him as saviour, it doesn't mean he's your Lord. You are. So this prayer is inviting him to turn your complete world upside down. Come in and establish you in me. And it starts, like we looked at last week, here. Not here, here. Lordship is a worship issue. Worship is a lordship issue. Worship is not singing songs. What is worship, church? Laying down your life, meaning... Laying down you as Lord and allowing someone else to be Lord. Laying down the control and allowing someone else to be control. Paul said, I'm controlled by love. What are you controlled by? This is huge, eh? You want to ask me a question? No? Hasn't provoked anything, a stirring at least? Like, like, want a comment? You want to make a comment? Like, (laughs) stir up, stir it up, stir the church up to who she's called to be. Stir her up because she doesn't know who she's called to be. Stir her up. This is what the word does. It stirs up. It builds. It smashes. It heals. It refreshes. It restores. The word does all these things depending on the condition of the heart. So this is what you're praying if you pray this prayer. So if you're going to pray it, expect him to turn up. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is why you're an ambassador from heaven living on earth when he goes to work on your heart here. You don't go to heaven and get sorted out. He sorts you out on earth through this prayer and this petition and the supplication. And then he goes to work because he's the builder of who? The church, which is who? A building or you and I? You and I. So he, because you have invite him in to be the builder, he goes and starts smashing the foundation that might or might not be him. He starts tearing down all the walls that are in there that you've put up to protect you that may or may not be him because you've said, come and build. And Chris will tell you, when Chris turns up at a building site and he looks at the foundation, he goes, gee, we can't put a house on that. Got to smash that up. Last two weeks, hear what I'm saying? What has to get smashed up, guys? Spirit of pride. Got to get smashed up. So come in, Lord, and do this work in me. Can you see what's a prayer of reformation? It's taking you back to where you were before you fell, but we're here, remember? So how do we go from here to here? Through power.
not through mental agreement, not through verbal intelligence or verbal agreement of what it says, but through allowing him to do it through power. It's the only way because he is the way, correct? Give us this day our daily bread. Who's the bread of life? Okay, so when you ask for give us your daily bread, who are you asking for? Man cannot live on, but on. So there's a duality here. God will provide. He wants to be provider, correct? Because you're no longer Lord, remember? So seek first the kingdom and my righteousness because what is more than food and clothing? Life in me is more than food and clothing. So what do you need for food and clothing? Money. You can't love money and love me. So I'm telling you to forget about you and your capacity and your ability to make money to keep you alive and I'll supply that. Come to me as your provider, not you. Oh no God, I'll come to you when I've provided for me and it's comfortable. And I'll ease my way out of the faith game and the trust game. So then I come to you when I'm comfortable with my wealth that I've made. Now you can be my provider. I'm here for now my bread. He goes, well, you've got enough. You've provided for yourself. But it's all natural. And you can't live on natural bread because man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of bread. Because Jesus said, I'm the bread. Isn't that what he said in John 6? So you know when he says, come to me, what does he want to give you? Himself. So he's the bread of life which we eat and drink. And he said, unless you eat and drink me, you have no life where? In you. So how's the life, guys, in you? How's the wellspring of John 4 in you that Jesus promised the woman if you believe in me? So then comes back to the prayer again, doesn't it? Lord, bless my days. I'm running out the day to provide myself. In the shower, cool. Do you receive revelation in the shower? Do you receive mana in the shower? If you do, keep having showers. <laughs> if it's just a ritual you're going through in the shower to tick a box, that's an issue. But I think he wants more than shower time. I guess, I don't know, ladies, how long you shower for. My house three ladies in the house well one lady and two girls shower times take a while <laughs> so if you take a while in the shower that's cool but give us give us what does that mean he's the giver which means you're not learning you're not trying to dig up the food you're not working trying to dig up food and find food you just turn up in this prayer and go Lord I'm here Give me. Hey, I'll give you eternal food. Why do you work for food that perishes? Because that's all you know that exists. And it's a temporal life which is perishing, but I give you eternal food because this is an eternal life. But unless you're eating eternal food, what can't you live? An eternal life. You can only live a natural life. So when I ask you to come and pray and give and lay your life down, you don't have the food in you to be able to do that. So you actually resist and deny because you don't have what you need. Because we're not called to be living earthly human lives, the lives we were born with. We've been born to be brand new creations before the foundations of the earth and living that life now, which is a supernatural, empowered, eternal life. This is what all this prayer means. 
a little bit way more than just a nice recited note or on your kitchen magnet somewhere. <laughs> and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. How many times do I have to forgive? I thought seven was enough. <laughs> but you can't even forgive once or twice if you don't have an eternal life in you, can you? Especially if the offence is pretty decent. And Jesus is going, if you're eating the bread that I give you, you know you can forgive someone unlimited times because you're not getting offended. Was Jesus offended? He didn't get hurt, did he? Why? Because he had an eternal life. He had, and he is the what? Beginning with A. Ama. So if you have your armour on and it's full and overflowing because you're eating the food he gives you, can you be offended? Can you be hurt with armour? No, the armour takes the hit. So if you get offended, it's because you were found out with your armour. But you don't take your armour on and off. Jesus is on, Jesus is off. Jesus is on, Jesus is off. Sort of what we've been taught, eh? Put your helmet on, put your booties on, put your belt on. Why are you even taking it off? You put it on once. See, that's in the natural. I'm talking in the spirit. I'm talking eternal now. Your armour is on, 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 up, 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 up. Protector, 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 protector. Glory to glory to glory to glory. Faith to faith to faith to faith. Love to love to love to love. You're an indestructible force. Not you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? Because you're eating food that he gives because you're praying for it. Ask, seek, and not. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more? How much more do you want? Well, how much more do you want? I want to give it all. Do you want it all? Uh, yeah, I'm a bit busy. You can hear my heart. Do not lead us into evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Jesus turned up 2,000 years ago, said the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is is at hand which means what it's at hand it is not in heaven it is not out in the ocean it's right in front of you take my hand right now come follow me and I'm going to build you and make you into me I'm going to give you I'm going to do it all you need to do is receive and be open, vulnerable, honest, transparent, and let me and pray. Because I don't want to have to barge into your heart. I want to be invited into your heart. I want fellowship with you. I don't want to have to steamroll you. So I wait for you to ask, seek, knock, and pray a prayer of faith that attracts me to you because if you draw near to me I'll draw near to you and then I'll go to work in you that's what you're praying that's what you're singing you're going Father come because I want to be one with you it's not God and Greg it's Greg hidden in God it's Sam hidden in God. It's Tess hidden in God. This is how you get the church that's one, is that all of us are hidden in Him, which means the church has become one with her Creator. The creation and the Creator have become one. And then you're perfected in one. Isn't that John 17? But what that 
means and what it is and then experiencing it is something completely different. You see, there's an intellectual knowing and there's an experience where literally your inner realm is being changed because you pray and you're hunger and you're thirsty because you hear, come follow me and I want to give you food. I want to open up a realm because there's things that eye hasn't seen yet, ear has not heard, has not entered your heart, Greg, all that I have prepared for those who love me and I do it via the Spirit. So can you hear the call because it's freely given to you, but if you're not found in prayer, forget it. I'm looking for people who want to be one with me, who want to partner with me. I'm looking for my co Ear, I'm looking for a people who want to establish my kingdom on the earth, firstly in the church, then through the church. You don't have to build the kingdom because the kingdom came with the king. So if you think you have to build the kingdom, you've believed a demonic lie because he said the kingdom has come with me. You're not the builder of anything. You're the recipient of me being the builder. So I build you. You can't build one another, but you can walk with one another while I build you. So while I'm going to work on a heart, would you walk with a brother or sister because their life is going to fall apart? Because everything they've built their life upon has got to come down. So would you... Fulfill Galatians 6.2, which says, carry the burdens of your family and fulfill the law of Christ, which is what? The law of Christ is love and love one another as I have loved you so I can do a deep work and see this church elevated out of the earth and into the eternal while living here on earth. But if we are not a people of prayer and petition and supplication, then we're a people of flesh works, trying to do something that we're never going to be able to do, but we'll have our version of something called forms of godliness, institutional religion, which God has been destroying in the hearts and the minds of us for a while now, so we can actually get on board with the life we're called to live, which is a life of freedom in Him and seeing His kingdom established, because it's being established here, then through us. To see people in darkness rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light because the church is on fire. But she's not burning up. All that comes from prayer. And God called me in 2008 and said, Son, come away. I didn't physically go anywhere, but I heard a call, come away. There are things that you don't know that I want to show you. There are ways that you think of me that are not. Do you know how many hours I would spend in prayer? A lot. I would be found in my lounge just waiting. I would have this, I would have the Spirit, and I would say, reveal what's concealed in your already prophetic scriptures so I can see the dimensions that are in here. This is not a book. This is Jesus Christ written down and Jesus Christ written down wants to get written on mine and your heart so we can live like Jesus Christ. But that won't come through just going, I'm trying to study. That comes from spending hours with Him, soaking in Him, showing Him you're serious about Him. I guarantee you what, what you love, I'll find you. At, correct? How many hours are you spending with what you love? We are treasurers. That's where I'll find you. Isn't he to be the treasure? So if he's not your treasure and you love these and you're found on this, that's what you really love. Not him. So there's a choice that has to be made, isn't there? And there's a help, Lord, because I don't want to just get into re religious works. So I need a gracing to release me from the love of my phone and everything on my phone to be found asking, seeking, knocking. And then the prayer is this prayer. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's where it all starts, praise. It doesn't start, Lord, help me. Now, if you started there, cool. But as you transition, that is a mature person's prayer. Your will, not my will, your will. Jesus only came to do the Father's will. He didn't say this, what's my will for my life? That's what we say, because that's what we've been taught. You have a special purpose in your life, and so do you, and so do you. So you all need to go and find your individual purposes and your individual wills that God wants to bless you. Now, while everyone's doing that, because it's the doctrine of demons, nobody's doing God's will. I haven't met one person that's discovered that purpose. I met plenty of people who've discovered and are proving the will of God when they go the other way and realize it's about the Father's will and then my life fits into that. It's not about me individually separating myself, using his name, thinking it's about something else. It's actually about doing his will. Why? Because we're all dead. Didn't we get crucified from the problem? And as he perfects us, we start growing and living for him. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in who? In Jesus. That is to be the heart cry of every follower. I no longer live as an earthling with earthling dreams and earthling purposes and earthling plans. They all die. I leave them through divine grace coming. I turn, this is what repentance is, and I start to live another life. Seek first the kingdom and my righteousness because I'm going to add all the things that you were living for. And they're not flash houses, they're the basic realities of life. Food, shelter, clothing. That's what he's going to add to you. Not a Mercedes, not a holiday home. Food, shelter, the things that you know you need to survive on earth, I'm going to provide them. I'm going to unanchor you from those things because that's what you need to keep a normal, natural, earthly life going. Wow, this requires a bit of trust and faith, doesn't it? Come follow me. No, I'm good. I got what I wanted from you. Okay, that's how much I love you, but I'm looking for disciples. I'm looking for way more than justified people. I'm looking for my queen. I'm looking for my bride, for my son. I'm looking for saints. I'm looking for soldiers. I'm looking for priests. I'm looking for bond servants. I'm looking for sons. I'm looking for disciples. I'm not just looking for people that say they love me and never do what I ask. My love's covering that. But I'm looking for a people that I want to establish my kingdom in. And it starts with a prayer. It ends in a prayer. Because it's a revolving reality. This is not a one time. This is a consistent transformation, reformation reality. But it's a beautiful way to start with our Father, the one who has redeemed me, the one who has rescued me, the one who is my Lord, my King, my Groom, my Saviour, my friend, my everything. Praise be your name. So no matter what I go through, out of the heart comes praise. Whether I'm getting the crap kicked out of me in prison, out of the heart comes praise. Whether I've lost anything, out of the heart comes praise. Because his goodness isn't based on what's happening in me or to me. His goodness is based on him and I know him. Because I spend hours soaking in his presence and he gives me and reveals in me who he is and he changes your mind and all of a sudden you're able to live above the earth. You're able to love a humanity that hates you. You're able to be patient. Not praying for patience. You're patient. You have a hope. You have a peace. Because it's a person. It's not Jesus and peace. It's Jesus is peace. Because this prayer takes you somewhere in him. 
Yet all it can be is a nice plaque on a wall. But actually it's more than that. When the Spirit illuminates it and you allow Him to take you deep into Himself, all of a sudden you start seeing things on the other side of that wall. You actually start living by faith and not sight. You go from being temple and taking all your leading from what's happening here to taking all your leading from what's happening in an invisible realm, but you live here. Let me give you an example. You're Jesus in the boat, having a sleep, and your disciples are manic and panicked and chaos because the wind and the wave and the storms, because they're temporal. So the earth is temporal, they are temporal, and when temporal looks at temporal and it's all kicking off, they panic. But the one who's actually the eternal is sleeping. Is he not? He's in himself at peace. He's not concerned. Why? Because he's taking what he's seeing from the unseen. So he gets up and goes, ah, be still. And then he looks, he goes, you lot have little faith. Little faith. Guy walked on water and he's told he has little faith. That's interesting. Because faith sees the unseen. Faith is way more than God can do what he does. Faith is seeing the unseen, seen realm. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Write it down and go marinate in it. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 14. Write it down and go marinate in it. All through a prayer that takes you somewhere into him. I don't know why I do this fill-in-the-blank stuff. <laughs> that was probably about the fifth aspect. <laughs> Questions? Thoughts? Cool. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 14. So you don't understand fasting? Fasting, fasting and communion. Yeah. So that's the first thing that you understand. It's, so yes, okay, so the whole thing is give us Christ. So it's, that's what makes it tricky, eh? It's like <coughs> communion is common union. Okay, so you can go through bread and juice and nothing. So you can go through a religious ritual of taking physical bread and juice. Nothing happens. The physical bread and juice is a representation of body and blood. You cannot do that and have communion with God. Now we do that as a remembrance, but that is to be something that not that bread and juice, but his body, his blood is to bring me into life. So when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, it's not that. But that's symbolic of something that's far deeper. That's a foreshadowing of a spiritual reality. So that's a physical thing. Do it in remembrance of me. But it's about eating him and drinking him. That goes on every week, every month in churches, and people aren't living this life because they're not eating and drinking of the Spirit. But we're physically partaking of bread and juice, remembering what he did at Calvary, but not a we're not changed. So once again, everything that God's giving us in the physical is a foreshadowing. It's a means to take you deeper. You don't stop. It's there to take you deeper. It's like marriage. Marriage isn't about a physical connection between me and Danny to have kids and to have sex. 
and to have fun. That's not the number one primary purpose of marriage. Marriage between a man and a woman is to prepare them for their marriage with Christ because the two are supposed to be coming one. Now, all hell can break loose in a marriage when two flesh exist because flesh wants what it wants and so it's not into the purpose of the marriage. If one is in the spirit and one is predominantly in the flesh, there's hope because the one of the spirit will love the one in the flesh hoping that they'll love them into death and their flesh will die. So now you've got two people of the spirit becoming one but the oneness is defined by each individual being one. So if you're not one with him, you'll never have oneness with your spouse. You don't get oneness with spouse by having oneness with the spouse. You get it through having oneness with Christ. So two individuals in the marriage, which is a foreshadowing of something, have to have oneness there to have oneness in the marriage. So we think the purpose of marriage, we're taught is, you know, have babies, fill the earth. Is that wrong? No. Is it part of it? Yes. Is it number one? No. That's why there is no marriage after the resurrection. It's done its purpose. Okay? So it's the same a little bit with the juice and the bread. Do it in remembrance of me. But no, there's way, way, way more than that. That's why they got offended. When Jesus rocked up in John and he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, those of the law went, we've never drunk blood. It's in the law that you don't. You can't be the Messiah. So they walked away from their Messiah because he was teaching stuff they thought wasn't true. But what they didn't realize, the day had changed. So they were off pace with the day. And he said, no, I've fulfilled all this. This is the new covenant. So you need to eat and drink of me. On the revelation of me, you have life. No revelation, no life. I'm the one who gives it. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't study it. You wait and you ask and you seek and you knock. Now fasting is, I would only do it if you're led to do it. So everything needs to be of the Spirit. Everything. Anything that's not of the Spirit, just a work of your flesh. So he has to lead all things. So fasting is really just a time that you put aside, but you're always praying. Because you're always praying 24-7. Pray without ceasing. So that's the goal. But fasting could be, look, I am putting whatever aside as a sign to you, Lord, that I'm seeking more. So there can be sacrifice in it. And obviously we, we do sometimes do food or people do tele- whatever the thing is that you are fasting for. But you can make that a religious practice. You can just make that religion and nothing happens. And you don't have to fast to get. God wants us in the abiding life. When you enter the abiding life, it's always abiding. We looked at this at our group last night. It's just much fruit because you've gone from this sort of like parted, compartmented thing to this one reality that just is happening all the time. Like it's never not. You're never not abiding. He's never not doing work in you because you've become one with him, but it's within you and it's purely supernatural. It's not you trying to abide. You're a branch who just abides because the power rescued you one day from here and propelled you into the vine and now you're abiding all the time. And because you're abiding all the time, there's much fruit. So you're not necessarily found in this like, oh Lord, Lord, he speaks. He'll tell you stuff you're not even asking for. Well, that's pretty cool. Write that down. He'll share things about people. Write that down. So it becomes this unconscious, conscious reality that you're always flowing in because you're abiding in the vine and you're never not disconnected. That's the ultimate goal. So you're fasting. What am I fasting for? You know. And so sometimes, you know when they um, come to the boy and they can't cast out the demon? He said, this only comes out with prayer and fasting. What were they actually praying fasting for? Greater authority. So they needed greater authority to cast out the demon because they didn't have it. Because everything's based on authority in the kingdom. Okay? So you need to know who you are because you carry authority. So you need to pray and fast for greater authority because you couldn't cast it out. Bring him here, I cast it out. So that's what we're finding as we're praying. You're praying and you're coming into a greater reality of who you are in Christ. So then you pray with authority in the name. And the name has power because you know the name. It's not just oh, in the name of that guy Jesus. Jesus. 
So when we talk about whether two or more are gathered in his name, that's not just two people that don't know him that are Christians turning up and praying. That's two coming together who know the name. They are in the name, the authority of the name. So when they speak, he's with them. And if you track John 15, you'll say your prayers get answered because you're abiding in me because you're praying my will, not yours. So many prayers don't get answered because we're not praying his will, we're praying our will. But if you remain in the vine, you know him and you know his will, so you pray his will, so his your prayer is answered because it's not your will being prayed, it's his will. And he responds to his will because it's his will be done, not yours. So you become second in the picture. You're a servant of his will. He ain't serving you. You're serving him and you're serving people because you're a bond servant who has no rights. You forfeited all your rights. You lost that life and you laid hold of a brand new life. And so now you've been emptied of self. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He became a bondservant and emptied himself. He's a pattern for you and I. And you're living this eternal life on earth, coming more and more and more and more into it. Like you live behind the wall and you visit the earthlings and then you go back behind the wall and you commune with the Holy Spirit and all the people behind the wall. You're having a party. You're eating food, drinking beer. You're having a, oh, this is awesome. And then you decide, okay, I'll come visit the people on this side and you go, and everyone looks at you like my dog used to look at me. Because <laughs> everyone on this side is trying to understand what they've said in their minds, not here in their heart. And you go, come follow me, let's go behind the wall. What do you mean behind the wall? You know, the unseen. Where the church is supposed to be living from. The eternal, not the temporal. What are you going on about? Yeah, we really need to know who we are, don't we? Is that <laughs> like 1 Corinthians 6 1 and 2 this is what started to really mess me up years ago do you know what it says 1 Corinthians 6 1 and 2 someone find it and read it out like this is truly eternal Um, okay, when one, of you, when one of you, this might be a broken Bible, so don't, yeah. When one of you has a complaint against another, do you take the complaint to a court of sinners or do you take it to God, God's people? Don't you know that God's people will judge the world and if you are going to judge the world, can't you settle small problems? Don't you know that we will judge don't you know that we will judge angels and if that is so we can surely judge everyday matters why do you take everyday complaints to judges who are not respected by the church You're going to judge the world and you're going to judge angels Who is he talking about Well, this is who we're supposed to be. This is what we're invited to. We just don't know it. So we either just go, don't know what that means. I used to do this in the early days. I'd go, I don't know what that means. And I'd look for what I could understand. And the Holy Spirit grabbed me one day and said, Greg, go back. I'm like, what? Go back. <laughs> like, why are you skipping over stuff that's written down? Because you don't understand it. Greg, it's concealed. You never understand it. I have to reveal it all. Like, why would you skip over your identity because you don't get it? Or it scares you. I'm going to judge angels. Is that why they're upset with us, Lord? <laughs> These plonkers down there? <laughs> really? He goes, yep. Imagine them. Really? You see those guys at the rock? Really? Yep. Because I believe all things for them. They might not, but I do. So this prayer 
not just, you know, the prayer starts to bring us into his presence. Where the presence is, there's power. And when the power is, there's revelation. And the person turns up. And all of a sudden, you start getting revelation of the person. And everything starts to change. Because that's what it's about. A revelation of the person. And every promise is in the person. The person is the tree. Correct? They ate from the wrong tree. And they instantly had knowledge. When you eat from the right tree, you instantly have knowledge. So how's your eating? How's your drinking? But it's not of earth. He has to give it. Because it's concealed, but he wants to reveal. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to go searching it out. Father, the fact that you've hidden it from the wise and the intelligent is a brilliant plan. All those that think more highly of themselves, you've hidden it from. Now that'll drive them insane. <laughs> and it does. Frustration, anger, disillusionment is fruit of the flesh. Because you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying and you don't go anywhere, eh? It's a fruit of your flesh. You'll never enter into the kingdom that way. That's what has to get crucified. And so you just enter in, and it makes it so, it's so simple, it's profoundly mysterious. So we complicate it. Just be found. It's about cultivating a relationship with the person. And if you don't know how to do that, maybe have a chat with someone that you know does. But it's a spiritual dynamic. Because I'm asking you to cultivate a relationship with the invisible man. And you can't see him, but he wants to be in you if he's not already in you. So he speaks from the inside out. And he writes from the inside out. It's not outside in, it's inside out. That's why he's there. To write everything he's been commissioned to write. So pray, ask, seek, knock. Amen.